Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for June 12, 2016. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jackstein at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon today is entitled, A Simple Plan for Saving Ourselves from a Corrupt Generation. Some days there's just too much going on, y'all. This summer, we will practice communion together twice, looking at two different emphases in our communion practice. Today we've outlined as communion as discipline. Mallory has read to you the beginning of the church, and I hope that you picked up on the discipline that created the early church. People love to talk about our corrupt generation. You know we're going to hell in a handbasket, you hear them say. It's never been this bad before. Anywhere, anytime, it's never been this bad. Clearly our profligacy and apostasy are signs that the end of times are near. It all started, you know, when we took God out of the schools. My notes here say I roll which means you're supposed to see me rolling my eyes right now. Oh, all of this talk from preachers and politicians alike. All of the woe is me unto our corrupt generation talk just wearies me. But our generation is corrupt. You can be sure. One of the latest sad proofs is another too highly publicized sexual assault on the campus of another overpriced, overpraised university. The fact that the victim passed out drunk offers not one single ounce, not a single ounce of justification for her attack, though it is hardly a mark of virtue. And the shameful response of the offender's parents only bring more shame to a shameless act. When parents haven't the courage just to stand by a sorry son, just to be sorry with him, it's a sorry day indeed. But this is nothing new, sadly. The fact is, the human race is actually improving. Look at any of the markers, any of the studies. Americans today enjoy more freedom and a higher standard of living, and less crime than most people have ever known. The arc of the moral universe is bending to justice. People of faith must claim this hope, but the bend is ever so slight, and the bending way too slow. So when we look with realistic eyes, not hysterical eyes, just honest eyes, at a world that offers a nearly infinite array of opportunities, many of which can only end in trouble, we need to ask, how do we save ourselves from all of it? That's interesting to me that Peter says, save yourself, because Scripture elsewhere makes it clear that you cannot save yourself. That's God's business. For by grace are you saved, through faith. This is not your own doing, lest anybody should boast about it. It's a gift of God. 
The Protestant movement was born 500 years ago out of a disagreement with Mother Catholic Church, principally out of this very issue. We Protestants have loudly proclaimed there is nothing we can do to save ourselves. It's right there in the Bible. Alongside Paul's encouragement to the members of Philippi to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I think we need to live in the tension. Can we save ourselves or not? It's a gift of God. It's grace. It's faith. It's works. Where is it? The answer is yes. It's in there somewhere. I'm glad Peter encouraged us to save ourselves. Reminding us that we are responsible for our own lives. There is far too much passing the buck these days. Probably nothing new there either. There's shame and blame. Somebody else is always responsible for every failure. It's government's fault. It's society's fault. It's an environment of excess drinking on college campuses that is to be blamed when a boy rapes a drunken, unconscious woman. The devil made me do it, an excuse for every occasion. No, you are responsible. Save yourself. You are responsible. And that's a daunting reminder in a corrupt society like ours. But the good news is that you are not alone. Or you do not have to be alone, which is the first part of this simple plan for saving yourself from a corrupt generation. Step by step, let me offer it to you. It begins here. And don't look at me and roll your eyes when I say repent. Don't look at me and roll your eyes as if I said something that sounds too much like what you heard at the last sweaty Friday night Baptist tent revival you attended. I know many of you have been to one just recently, you know, those Baptist tent revivals that say, repent. Now, you can piously spiritualize all of the Bible's best ideas if you would like. You can make repentance sound like pulpit pounding and aisle walking, and if you died tonight, do you know you'd go to heaven? You can make it sound like that if you want. You can lace it with guilt and wrap it with fear and gild it with soul-saving sanctity if you want to, but you will miss what is most important about changing your life if you do that, and that is what repentance means. Michael Jackson said it pretty, pretty clearly. I'm looking at the man in the mirror, asking him to change his ways. No message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and repent. That's not exactly how he said it. Take a look at yourself and make a change. But that's what it means. Metanoia, change your ways turn around, make a commitment to do something different today. Now, maybe you need to repent today. Maybe you need to change the way you conduct your business. Maybe you need to change the way you conduct your life. Maybe you drink too much, gamble too much. Maybe you're a cheater. Maybe the change needs to come in your marriage. 
in your home, with your language, through your attitudes. Maybe you need to turn off MSNBC and Fox News. Maybe you need to give up despair or fear or worry or the arrogance that you have all the right answers, religious or political. Maybe you need to quit going it alone and make a commitment to be in community. Maybe you need to repent, make a change. One thing is for sure, no one else can do that for you. And if you need to be baptized, well, okay, let's talk. Or maybe you need to, quote, baptize that decision to make a change with some other ritual that will give tangible outward witness to a decision that you've made inside your own skull, which is the purpose of religious ritual. Religious ritual adds accountability to what otherwise might just be another New Year's resolution that never sees February. Repent. Make a change. That's where church begins. Commit to something good today and then quit playing the Lone Ranger with your spirituality. I know you can stream Krista Tippett live on Sunday mornings while drinking your $6 half-calf mocha latte at Starbucks, and you can call that your Sunday morning fix. But she will not be there when you lose your job or your mother. The church was born after a group of ordinary, run-of-the-mill folks who were just trying to make it to the weekend like the rest of us had an experience that they could only call God. And instead of running to the mountain to celebrate that experience in monastic silence or to Starbucks, they created a community. And they celebrated it through their discipline. They showed up. They showed up like they liked being together. And they needed each other. They showed up. Their experience with God, though it was known through their diverse experiences in the world, gave them a common worldview. And they showed up to share that experience regularly together. It took commitment. They had to make decisions and set priorities and say no to some other good opportunities in order to create the kind of community they knew they would need when the times got rough. And when the times got rough, they were glad they had the community. They committed their minds to this new idea. They studied together. They didn't all agree, but they committed to the dialogue of study regularly. And they prayed the prayers. Now, the text doesn't say they gathered together to pray. It said they prayed the prayers. Interesting phrase there. I'm surprised how often I hear church people say they are uncomfortable praying publicly but I do understand the very private nature of prayer, which takes many forms. Maybe this experience of the early church is a reminder that what is most important is not my own prayers, 
my own words, which are sometimes actually selfish desires. Prayer groups, you know, too easily become gossip sessions or pity parties. What the early church did together regularly, and part was when the early church got together uh, regularly, part of the time they were together, they spent in recognition of the need to formalize in some way our approach to God. They prayed the prayers. So the simple plan, they committed to something. They enjoyed each other's company on a regular basis. They prepared their minds to challenge their, to, to engage their challenging world. They offered their joys and their sorrows in a way that reminded them that their joys and sorrows are part of a grand tapestry whose loose ends God is gathering up in grace. And from the very beginning, the very beginning of the church as a discipline, a predictable and repetitive expression of their experience of the divine and one another, they ritualize that experience that true community can only be formed through sacrificial love. And that is why we are here today. Not to codify some bloody atonement theology with dogmatic certainty, but we come to this table because they did, and for the same reason. There is power in the tangible expressions of faith, the rituals of worship, the mystery of a presence which is beyond us, yet which we can touch and taste and smell quite literally. We are here to be reminded of the commitment of the life of Jesus, which led him all the way to the cross. And we are here to be reminded that his call is a call to take up our cross, to give ourselves to one another, to be the body of Christ broken for one another here. In the midst of every corrupt generation, Thank God there is a table. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.